Hey, Conspiracy Kyle here. Today's episode is the audio of a conversation I had on the Fire Theft Radio podcast from a few weeks ago. We talked about my book, Intergalactic Totalitarianism, and of course, all the different links between Star Wars and our world, and of course, just various things throughout Star Wars in our world separately. So, um, great conversation with those guys. I'll put a link to their show in the notes to this podcast, so go check them out. Two great dudes. Um, some podcast notes for this week. So, tomorrow night, which will be Thursday, the uh, 15th, I will be doing an interview on my program with Charlie Robinson, host of Macroaggressions, author of a few books. He wrote the foreword for my book. He's been very influential to me throughout my book writing and podcast um, experience. So um, big shout out to him. We'll be chatting live at 9 p.m. Eastern. It'll be live on YouTube. It'll be live on Rockfin. It'll be live on Twitter. So check that out wherever you watch live videos at. And of course, it'll be on the podcast feeds after the fact. So check that out. And then, of course, Monday, we'll be back with another breakdown of the Obi-Wan Kenobi series, which the episode will drop um, within a few hours of me recording this. So we'll have have plenty of time to digest that. And I'll be back. May the force be with you. And God bless. Okay, welcome back, folks. Welcome back. And as I said, on the show today, we got Conspiracy Kyle. wrote a book called Intergalactic Totalitarianism, which for me... Is hard to say. It's not easy to roll off the tongue. I'll tell you that right now, but it's all good. And let me tell you a little bit about the book. It says, how does a democracy turn itself into a dictatorship? This is the question that George Lucas asked when he started writing the Star Wars prequel trilogy in the mid nineties. In this book, Conspiracy Kyle chronicles the authoritarian tactics and the traits by Palpatine in the prequels uh, as he rose from Senator to Chancellor to emperor these machinations are compared to methods used by totalitarian leaders and authoritarian psychopaths in our world spoiler alert they are very similar so if that interests you goodness gracious that's this is going to be a great show welcome to the show conspiracy kyle what's going on buddy hey thanks a lot for having me yeah the uh the title is kind of a, a mouthful, you know, I think it's like 35 syllables or something like that. You know, I, I thought, you know, I should either make it like, like a college course, right? Like intro to total, or like, I should have just called it like space Hitler. You know, I should, I, I could have gone with, but like, I also didn't want to have a book like with Hitler in the title, On the title yeah, probably not. my name. So I, I don't know how well that would have gone, but yeah. no, thanks for, um, thanks for having me on. I'm excited to, to, to talk about this and break it down a little bit. Indeed. So, uh, People can't see this, unfortunately, but I, I don't I don't do the, the, the video, but I'm looking at you and stuff. you have an amazing Star Wars swag in the back that uh, only I could ever wish I could be allowed to buy. I'm not allowed to buy as a married man, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm kidding. But um, yeah, no, I, that's amazing setup. So, uh, you know, we want to get right into it. Uh, by the way, uh, uh, Maverick over here also upswagged me. Uh, I don't appreciate that right now, but it's all good. No worries. Um so I just want the people to know, who is this conspiracy, Kyle? You know, <laughs> introduce yourself a little bit. Why do you call yourself that? What's your show about? And, and uh, let's go from there. Sure. Yeah. So um, 2020, I think like a lot of people early on in the year, I think a lot of people started figuring out that something was not right with mm. all the uh, the medical nonsense. You right. know, I think we've all talked about it at nausea. Right. We don't really need to get too, too into it here, but I think right. we all uh, started to realize, I mean, a lot of people have already understood that things were, were crazy with the government and conspiracy and stuff. But, you know, for me, I kind of started, you know, my brain just, the, the, the wheels started turning. I'm like, you know, something's not right here. And I, I wanted to try to find a way to 
um, you know, put out some of the research that I was doing into what was going on and what has gone on in, in history that the that governments over the years historically have done, um, you know, to the people, you know, in, in the background that a lot of that is sometimes hidden. And I wanted to try to make it a little bit um, more relatable, use some kind of parallels in current media and what have you. And you know, so I thought about it. I said, you know, I love Star Wars. I, I know a lot about Star Wars. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff in there that could kind of parallel things that are going on with all these conspiracy theories in our world. And, you know, sure enough, um, there was a, a, a ton of stuff, you know. Um, and so in, in about mid-2020, I started a podcast called Conspiracy in the Force, um, which I've been doing every week since then, which I kind of break down um, things going on in our world and, and how they relate to the, the, the Star Wars universe, whether it's, you know, things like transhumanism, right? Like, you know, people become, uh, us becoming robots, right? There's a lot of robotic stuff mm -hmm. in Star Wars, whether it's um, government slash economic stuff, which I think we'll get into with the, the prequel trilogy really dives into that, or just um, ways the government lies to us or ways the government tells us that they want to try to keep us safe, but really it's all about more control for them, which in, in my mind is really what the, the story of the prequel, the Star Wars prequel trilogy is all about, which is kind of the, the basis of my, of my book. So um, I've been, I did that podcast for, I've been doing that podcast ever since mid-2020. And then last year, you know, I started talking on, on some, doing some guest spots on some shows and started coming up with this idea of, of really laying this stuff out, you know, movie for movie throughout all the prequels. You see the, um, the character Palpatine gain more and more and more control. And, and the way he does that is very subversive. And looking into our world, you, you see dictators, leader, um, totalitarian leaders, authoritarians, even, even people nowadays that may people may not consider them to be you know authoritarians or what have you they, they're using these same tactics and traits and you know what that will lead to you know is anyone's guess i think it's um from my standpoint you know with a with a biblical perspective it's all going to turn into a one world government at, at at some point in the future the question is whether it's this generation or or future but anyways mm -hmm. um i want to try to relate that to, to star wars and show how what palpatine did um to to become the emperor is is the same playbook that you see in our world and the the interesting thing to me was that you know George Lucas in those movies really laid it out really laid it on thick like more than you see in a lot of hollywood movies nowadays almost like he's given away the playbook mm. of how these people operate mm. um because it's very kind of on the nose and we'll, we'll we'll definitely go through some of those examples in parallels but um i thought there was, i thought it was a really good way to kind of use metaphors um, and things to, to get people to understand more about what's going on in our world using something that a lot of people know, which is, you know, Star Wars, one of the most popular franchises of all right. time. I, I was, yeah, it's an interesting point because I've heard a little bit of this conversation in the conspiracy world, as they say. Um, like, I don't know if you've heard, but like Stanley Kubrick, for example, they were saying that he wasn't really because there's always this idea that writers, producers are just all in this, um, you know, secret society kind of thing. And they're writing these things. And, but there's, seems to be controversy like with Stanley and even I've heard it with George that, yeah, they might've been in something like that, but they were more out to expose certain things than anything else. But I don't know. Like I, I can, I can't say I can never, I always look at this stuff and it's in the end, it's kind of speculative, but I can definitely feel like, uh, a lot of these movies do expose certain things um, and they just kind of bring it out to the open. I definitely saw that in the Kubrick right. films where I'm like, whoa, he's uh, 
I mean, he's probably one of the most overt directors, pretty much saying there's a lot of yeah. weird shenanigans going on in the background. Right. I would, I would definitely say, you know, the directors like Lucas and Kubrick back in like the 70s, I think they had a lot more leeway, right? Like, whereas you right. compare it to nowadays with, you know, every movie, it's like a Marvel movie, right? It's this big, huge studio, this big, massive Disney, Marvel, what have you, are coordinating all these efforts and all these narratives to put into these movies. So there's a lot of hands in the pot. Mm -hmm. right of of what they want in these movies whereas back in the day it was more or less they had a lot of more creative freedom mm -hmm. and they didn't have a lot of people you know breathing down their neck looking over their shoulder saying hey you need to put this and this this into it so so yeah i'm I'm with you there i mean there's kind of a, a great argument to be had that um some of the stuff that's in there could be predictive type programming right especially with star wars you know the fact that robots a lot of times in the movies you know they're the ones that save the day you know, a lot like R2-D2, look at him, he's a great, he's an awesome character. You almost think of him just as a, a human. Right. Because in, in pretty much every movie, he does something heroic to save the day that they wouldn't have been able to defeat the evil without this robot. Mm. So there's some things, but you can, you can kind of put that either, well, you know, in one of two camps, right? Maybe just Lucas thought, hey, that's a really cool thing to have for a sci-fi movie. The other hand as well, getting people prepared for a future that is robotic driven, which I'm sure we're going down in, in the future, but to, to your to your you know uh, main point was that his main intent or did he just think that was a cool story idea yeah i think there's there's a definite you know conversation to be had there or even the you know i've i've kind of seen a connection between the droids and the hobbits right so r2d2 is essentially frodo with the ring in episode four right no one is no one really cares about the droids given to the droids right. where I can travel around. They can't even go in the, in the cantina, you know? Oh, that's right. So it's, it's like, yeah, we're going to have him hold it and carry it. Cause no yeah. one cares about you. Right. Kind of a thing. Yeah. It's, it's the, yeah, it's that concept of using like the little guy to defeat the, you know, as the underdog to defeat the big, the same with same, like what they did with the Ewoks, right. You know, the empires, you know, beating down these Ewoks, like, Oh, we, they don't stand a chance, but Lucas's point was, you know, the, the little guy can win in some of these situations and kind of having that, that concept of hope. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I have, I have a question. You want me to just to jump in whenever you're ready? Yeah. Okay. So let me just say we came back. All right. We had to switch over to Skype. Uh, this was, a you know, my zoom, I guess wants me to buy it now. I didn't do that before. So thanks for the patience and uh, Maverick uh, Nikolai, you had a question. Yeah. So going back to uh, original trilogy, um, or some would say the only trilogy, depending on what camp you're in, I suppose. But uh, with the original trilogy, the the politics didn't seem the same as the prequels. And obviously, a lot of the story focused on the government and the rise of power and things like that a little bit more than in the original uh, trilogy, episodes four, five, and six. But what I thought was interesting was you, you had A New Hope, episode four film, and then the Indiana Jones franchise started, and it is very focused on Nazis. Do you think there was a shift with the original trilogy had in mind that so that sort of totalitarian or fascist regime versus the prequels that seem to have a lot more of a globalist kind of push that was very different? Do you think there was a shift there? Do you think there's a progression? Yeah, I think it's probably um um the probably it's just maybe a product of you know the times that they came out to um you know while you don't see a lot of um, politics in the original trilogy, you know, you do see, you know, Lucas makes it very black and white. Yeah. So to your point, the difference between the original trilogy and the prequels, 
in the original trilogy, it's very black and white. Like even literally in the color schemes, you know who's good and you know mm. who's bad mm-hmm. by the exact colors. I mean the 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 empire is like very black and white, like with some red, like very Nazi type colors. And then you know the other people they were they had orange jumpsuits and all this other stuff. So in the color schemes, he wanted to make it very black and white. Um, this is good. This is bad. Um, because he wanted to tell just kind of a true morality tale. Whereas you know then the older he got, I think. Um, and probably more wise to what was going on in politics. And, you know, he, he thought that really, it's not really that simple. Um, and that's why in the prequels you see, well, for, for one, yeah, you see the rise of that totalitarian empire, but you also see this noble republic basically crumble in and of itself. You know, there's, there's a great quote, um, you know, to the original movie, you know, George Lucas wrote like a companion novel with it. And he wrote kind of a, a, a very short, you know, few few paragraph backstory about what the prequels ended up being. And he basically said, you know, the, the Republic rotted out from inside, inside out. And, you know, basically the danger was inside the Republic and they didn't recognize it and it, and it overtook them. So you see in the prequels that the Republic was, was, was as complicit in, in the fact that they didn't recognize what was going on. They didn't recognize that this guy from inside was, was destroying them. Um, they had the Jedi, they had the Jedi fighting all these wars throughout the galaxy. And, and it, well, Palpatine had the Jedi fighting all these wars throughout the galaxy. The main point of him doing that for one, it was a fictitious war. I mean, talk about, you know, we can talk about current things going on. And <laughs> if you think, if you think really it's, it's, it's both sides of the same coin, just as a big distraction, that's what the whole clone wars was. It was basically Palpatine controlling both sides having the Jedi going out there and fighting these battles, they really had no point. I mean, it didn't matter who won these, these wars. He was still in control. But, it, but what he wanted to do was take the Jedi away from their main focus, which was really understanding the nature of the Force, um, understanding using discernment to figure out what dark elements were present in the universe and trying to find a way to, to, bring, those, to bring those out, bring that to light, to, to, to squash that. But Palpatine was smart enough to say, listen, let me get these Jedi away from their you know, monk-like duties and, and roles and getting them to fight all these wars. So now their head, their head is filled with military strategy and not spirituality. Um, you know, you can compare that to a lot of religious organizations, like, you know, whether it's the, the Catholic Church or even, you know, Christianity, so to a certain extent, a, a lot of people focus on a lot of things that are outside of what they should really be studying and focusing on. And Palpatine got them away from that. So, right. um, but to your point about about you know the original trilogy in Indiana Jones, they really wanted to 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 show that black and whiteness, right? Of of these are the Nazis, these are the good guys. Um, whereas he layered on a lot of gray when he got to the the, the prequel trilogy. But but I, I will say you still see some some elements of that in 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 the original the original movie. You know, one of the the, the quotes I always go back to is what you know Tarkin said about the Death Star. He's like. He's like, you know, fear is what will keep the, the galaxy in line. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, the, the, the concept of fear is we've seen that uh, a million percent over the past few years. People scared to live their lives. People scared to go see their grandma in the hospital. People scared to go to church. People scared to go here, do that because of because of something with a, with a minuscule, um, you know, fatality rate. Yeah. Um, so, 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 so that works. Fear works 
in, on so many levels. And, and willing to give up the rights and everything, you know? Right. And you definitely see that in the prequels, like willing to give up their rights for something that is supposedly will keep them safe. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I think it's really just, you know, the black and white, then there's a lot of gray in the, uh, in the prequels. Mm-hmm. Do you think that with the sequel trilogy, they were trying to change that perspective because that perspective sort of can work and can kind of almost red pill people in to use modern vernacular in whatever time you're in. Do you think the sequel trilogy is following the same line or is uh, changing how they, they handle those, those sorts of ideas? Well, what's interesting about the, the sequel trilogy um, well, the, the problem with it is a lot of the stuff you really need to know about the politics of the sequel trilogy. It's not on the screen. Most of the important things you need to know about what those events are aren't even happening in the movies. You have to read supplemental materials or, or, or whatever, but a lot of people don't want to do that because the movies are put together so badly. They don't really <laughs> even want to dive in to know more about it. Um, but but what's interesting about the the politics in that is you kind of saw this with Nazi Germany. After Nazi Germany crumbled, a lot of people thought, oh, hey, they're, they're gone. We killed them. The bad guys are done. But as a lot of people know, a lot of those key players didn't really come to justice. A lot of those people came here. They started heading up NASA. They started working as scientists here in America. So this is basically then this kind of the second generation of Nazis were kind of embedded in, in America, mm-hmm. you know, subversively. So you see that with the sequel trilogy, you know, a lot of the main, um, main people in the empire obviously die or get killed at the end of return of the Jedi. But through a lot of the supplemental materials through stuff like, you know, the battlefront video games that have a lot of great cutscenes about this, um, Palpatine set up these systems to basically, um, internally destroy a lot of the empire that existed, but keep a lot of people, keep a lot of the main, um, the main generals and commanders and stuff in place so they can rebuild the empire. It's basically like a build back better type, situation what he did he said let's destroy most of the empire keep keep some people in place and they will rebuild this kind of thing so that's when you see this first order show up in the in the um, sequel trilogy um general hux who's kind of their military leader he was the son of somebody who worked directly in the in the prior empire so it's kind of like the second generation thing um but they obviously aren't um aren't as sound in you know palpatine's ways and thinking but um he he wanted it to kind of keep going on in in perpetuity um but then you see somebody like like kylo ren who's kind of this just you know crazy knucklehead all over the place crazy angry like millennial um it's a really (laughs) with a lot of power yeah he's, he's very he's very powerful but he's just really like aggressive he's all over the place um it, it's very, it's like what you see when there's like family businesses and stuff, right? Like, a, like right. A, 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 a parents start a business and the kids run it, right. you know, some, sometimes they run it right. Sometimes they're just like complete idiots and, you know, destroy the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he, he has this legacy. He's trying to protect this legacy of being Darth Vader's grandson, but he knows that he's no, he's, he's nowhere near that. So they definitely kind of botched the whole idea of what Palpatine wanted to do. Um, which I think is probably why they brought Palpatine back in the end for for some reason. I'm still trying. I'm still trying to figure. I'm, yeah, I'm still. That's, that's it's a, still. It just gives me a headache. It's a whole it's other just, podcast. Right? <laughs> that's yeah. a whole other podcast. So, so, so if you have the the prequel or the uh, sorry the original trilogy is sort of 
reaching back to that black and white cowboy, black hat, white hat, Nazi sort of idea. Prequels are what were the contemporary politics of that time, right? Rise of globalism. Uh, I think in a couple of interviews, he even identified the, the Bush regime as sort of helping to think through some of those things. Who's the first order in the sequel trilogy? Who's that supposed to represent? And why is it Elon Musk? <laughs> Just kidding. That's a, that's, that's a good question. Um, I don't know if it necessarily, in, in my mind, I'm sure if I think about this more, I'll probably have a better answer. But in my mind, it kind of represents, you know, a, a, an environment where the current government is gone. Um, and then what and then what do you do? You know, so there's there's a, a republic that it tries to reform. There's obviously an empire that tries to come back. There's constantly fighting back and forth over over power. Who's going to who's going to win? Who's going to who's going to not win? Um, it, it's really hard to say because of how convoluted it all ended up being what they were really trying to represent with that. I think I think the main thing and like I said, is not a specific person or or, or, or thing, but just the fact that you can't you can't just defeat evil. You can't just defeat evil in like a, a series of battles. It doesn't it doesn't go away. The 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 philosophy, the mindset continues on in perpetuity. Mm-hmm. You know, if 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 it could have been defeated, you know, they would have, you know, when Rome fell, it would have been defeated. But it but it doesn't. It, it doesn't. It morphs into into something else. Um and you know I don't really have a great answer. I don't really have a great answer for that of what they were trying to represent. I think they may have had it. I think just because they went through so many iterations of what they wanted that story to be, I think some of that stuff kind of got lost in, in translation along right, the way. Right. Now you said earlier, there's uh, some examples that you definitely wanted to cover in your book on how things look in our modern day and just those same kind of tactics. Can you kind of go through some of those that you think are maybe relevant or most important that people didn't notice while watching these uh, movies or thinking about, because I think that happens often. We watch movies and they're like, Oh, that's fantastical. You know, like you just, just amazing. And, you know, and they don't, it doesn't go past thinking this was great entertainment, but uh, we often don't think about the mind of the writers and, and producers and things like, or sorry, and directors. And there's definitely something deeper in even the most, I don't know, a roller coaster type kind of movie. There's always, I don't know, some sort of archetype that we can kind of look at and say that's important to look at in, in this way or another. But uh, what are some of those key points that you think are are especially relatable to to, to our modern times? Sure. Um, you know, one thing that you don't really see in the in the movies, but it's in like the uh, the Revenge of the Sith novel, which I w- I would definitely recommend anybody that kind of has a, a bad taste in their mouth about the prequel movies themselves. I would look into, you know, reading some of those novelizations because I think they really um, flesh out a lot more of the characters' motivations and things like that. Because when 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 it all goes down in the movie, it I don't think they handled it uh, the right way. I don't think the acting, the the dialogue, anything, you know, um, did what they meant what they meant to do story wise. But anyways, in the Revenge of the Sith novel, so we talked a little bit earlier about this war that's going on, right? There's this Republic versus Separatist, this whole Clone War thing that's really a big fictitious thing. Um, one thing you don't see in the movie, but you see in the novel, is that there's this thing called the hollow net, which is basically like the the TV, like the media of the time. And they're basically pumping out all this propaganda to the people of the Republic um, at the beginning of episode three, Revenge of the Sith, that 
listen, the Republic is losing the war. You know, you still need to um, try to try to, you know, you know, be all in about be all in for the troops, but also to keep pushing the fear, right? That, you know, if if this battle keeps going on, the Republic could lose. And if the Republic loses, then what does that mean? Um, Even so far as, you know, they were fighting against the interesting thing is like the Republic had had clones fighting for them. The separatists had uh, droids fighting for them. So one little piece of subversive propaganda they were pushing to the Republic was that, listen, if we lose, it's going to be the robots are going to take us over. Mm. That's kind of the subtext of why you need to support the Republic um, and their leaders in doing whatever you need to do. So um, and and you kind of see this similarly to like a, a book like, you know, Orwell's 1984, where the media at the time is constantly telling them, well, listen, we're constantly in war with this other country or we're in war with this other country. Um, in, in, in fact, you know, it may not have even have been an actual war going on, but it's just what the people heard. It was pumped into their brains over and over. So they believed it. And we see that we see that nowadays, too, with with all this stuff, especially with this Russia, Ukraine thing, which, you know, listen, I'm no deep researcher into what's going on there. I know something is something is not right. Um, but we're getting all this propaganda about why we need to support Ukraine and why Russia is is the bad guy. And, you know, maybe that's true to a certain extent. But th- does that mean we need to support them to the tune of, you know, 60 billion dollars? <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't I don't know. Um, but but we're constantly being bombarded with this propaganda about these wars going on or possible wars. You know, you saw that after 9-11 as well. Right. Like if we don't go get these terrorists, they're going to get us, which is or a- they're going to they're going to come here. It's just a very biblical concept, wars and rumors of wars, you know, I think yes. people tend not to, to see. And yeah, there's definitely stuff going on with Russia and things like that. But it, it, we, I mean, we see that throughout America. I mean, you want to get America riled up in its history, tell them about, tell them communism, socialism, or globalism's taken over and you can rile up the patriots. And that connects to yes. a, a, a point you brought up earlier. Um, which mixes in, in my opinion, with what Christianity looks like, because in America they've um, almost propped up uh, patriotism higher than the actual belief in Christianity. So a lot of these kind of more cultural Christians will get inspired to do things that we normally shouldn't be doing, and it's perceived as Christianity just because, oh, you know, in God we trust, and... We, you know, we pray to Jesus and we make country songs about Jesus and all that. And so it just, you know, it can kind of get lost in the weeds of there's a greater narrative going on in the background. And there is a Palpatine like character driving both, you know, capitalism and globalism and, you know, these kind of communist things. And it's just we never tend to look past what's in front of us, which is the propaganda machine and all that stuff. And don't look at, you know, the puppeteers in the background and then. There's definitely something there for sure, and it just and it's unfortunate because I I do follow a lot of people on on both sides, left and the right. I'm I'm, I'm nowhere. I I don't lean. I'm sure people think I lean towards a certain side, but I definitely don't lean towards a political ideology. I'm just I try to stay as as dead center as I can. Um, but uh, yeah, looking at that stuff, I can see both sides getting equally riled up. You know, because on the right, I'll yeah. see. Oh, look, he's getting triggered. But then I see the people on the right get triggered by other things. It's like everyone has a trigger point and it's mm-hmm. like these, these specific things going on. Uh, and I think a lot of these things are like finan- financially motivated, economically motivated in the background. 
And you say that you brought, you bring that up in the book, I think with what's happening in the star Wars stuff, that there's seems to be this financial thing going on in the background as well. How, how do you write about that in the, in the book? Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and one quick point on what you were just saying. Yeah. Like I think both sides need like uh, an idol, uh, you know, somebody, somebody that they prop up that like, this is the person who's really going to, to fix everything for us. You know, like mm-hmm. for, for many years I was, I was big on the Trump side, but now I'm, I'm kind of like you, I'm realizing that like, but both sides have their have many faults and, you know, but they both push fear, right? Like, you know, the right mm-hmm. pushes fear about China, the left pushes fear about Russia. And, you know, if you, if you say that to either side, you know, it, it gets them ramped up then they'll say, Hey, well, let's send $30 billion to go fix these issues, you know, but, but yeah, they all need like these heroes slash idols to, to come in and supposedly fix everything. And of course now it's like, you know, Elon Musk, you know, I've been talking about a lot of warnings about, about about him and you know what what he really wants to do with with robotics and um all that kind of stuff Neuralink, you know there's a whole rabbit hole to go down there but yeah you, you see that in star wars you know there's a um palpatine's the puppet master but also people are seeing him as the hero who's going to fix everything and you, you you hear that great line after they give him you know complete control you know this is how liberty dies the thunderous applause Ooh. everybody's cheer everybody's cheering and clapping probably um my only favorite line in that movie but you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah um but yeah to your point as far as the financial stuff goes yeah um in uh episode two um you know padme was trying to well they were they, they were the republic was trying to garner support for an army which goes back to my point about the propaganda you're constantly pushing this propaganda about this separatist army going to come in and take over and it's gonna be robotics and this and that so they said listen we need to we need to create an army and she's like no like more war is not the answer She's like, I saw it 10 years ago when they destroyed Naboo and, you know, that didn't work out well for anybody, even though they were victorious in that war. She's like, it was still devastation and war and, you know, it was not not great for anybody. So she was trying to put these anti-war bills in Congress and or, or the Senate or what have you. But one of her main points was that she's like looking around at all the other senators and a lot of them are voting for more war because they own a lot of the manufacturing. They own a lot of the industries in the in the in the in the galaxy that that manufactures weapons that manufactures tanks and armaments and spaceships and all this stuff so all these people are voting for more war because they're going to benefit off of it you know directly so you can you can see that a hundred percent in what's happening in in our world with all of the uh I, I can't think of the name specifically but all those huge military industrial complex type organizations that a lot of uh, government officials are financially um in bed with mm-hmm. So any war that happens in the banks as well, any war that happens, it really doesn't matter who ends up being victorious. The 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 war machine in, in the slash manufacturing factories, what have you, that keeps on going. Right. You know, so th- so they'll be able to keep making money off of people's death and, and demise. And it's kind of a sad thing that yeah, you see that in Star Wars, you see that in our world too. Yeah, and, it, and it's also pretty telling that all of those politicians are literally on a completely different planet. And all of their people, they don't see anything that's really going on. <laughs> all the decisions are literally made on another planet. Mm-hmm. And probably that was the biggest, uh, probably the, the only good point brought up in the last sequels was the um, character that sold weapons to both sides. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like, there is no good or bad for me. I just, you know, we were, I'm funding both sides and it's like the same person that hired me. So no big deal. It's just what it is. And I was just like, what's that actually happens very 
realistically in the world of, of, of today. That's just what it is. And people don't realize that it's just like, I mean, that's happening in American history. I think one of the most known one is like, you know, Ford, Henry Ford, you know, selling stuff to Germany, Nazi Germany and both America. And that's where the money came from anyways. Like it was just very financially lucrative for him to, to participate in war. And we don't, we just kind of don't talk about it, you know, and it's just, we just kind of move forward. But, uh, yeah, I think you were thinking maybe of like Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, all those like, yeah, you know, that's the ones I couldn't think of the name. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All, all, all those guys. Yeah, you know, def- I saw a great I saw a great meme before. It was like, you know, all the politicians should wear like shirts like they do in NASCAR, but of all the people that they're financially in bed with, right? <laughs> so like you know whenever they're voting for this or that, okay, obviously we know why you're doing that. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Um now you brought another point up and I really want to talk about it. I don't know if you talk about it in the, the book, but I'm sure you've noticed it. One of the I guess you could say conspiracies about Star Wars is to uh propagate transhumanism. And along with transhumanism, uh, a new world religion. And I think one of the most successful parts of the Star Wars franchise for sure was to create a cult-like following of the religion of the Force. And, you know, if people do a little bit of research, it connects to Taoism, it connects to different versions of Buddhism and things like that, which... Uh, is often practiced in the world of uh, theosophy and occultism and things like that. And, you know, we like to look at it and think like, hey, this is fun. You know, it looks great. And I mean, we all do. I, I for sure was trying to move things with the force often, you know, I was like, oh, oh you know, and uh, oh, side note, which I think is hilarious. Uh, every time I go to the doctor and people ask me, how did it go? I always told, tell them, they told me I have a really high metachlorian count and they freak out and they're like, what is that? What is that? Oh my gosh, are you okay? And I'm like, no, uh, yeah, I'm pretty good. I don't, I'm just, I was born with it. I can't, you know, I can't really, <laughs> but most people don't know what I'm talking about and it's hilarious. So, um, if you're not laughing listener, you need to watch some star Wars. So that's all I'm saying. Um, but, um, anyways, going back to my point. So do you think, uh, you know, I guess it's connected to the totalitarianism aspect, which um, you talk about in your book. Often people don't see the religion and the technology connection. And that would be called in the future, which we understand as technocracy, because definitely technology is something that is often used in order to control a mass group of people. And we see that now makes more sense than ever. And when we saw it maybe in Star Wars, it looks very much like maybe more physical manifest, like a robot is actually in charge. And, and these things are actually the strong arm of um, the regime or the strong arm of the government. Uh, I think there's a connection there for sure. And I don't know if you bring that up in your book. Yeah, there's some um, interesting things about transhumanism with Star Wars. You know, I think you kind of see it from a few different angles. You know, the one biggest angle you see about transhumanism in the original trilogy is showing it as as more of a cautionary tale. I mean, just look at look at Darth Vader. I mean, he's one of the greatest, you know, characters slash villains of all time. But really, he's just this kind of broken man inside of this metal suit that is basically more akin to like a uh, a coffin. Right. That, But but he's still alive, which is kind of like this whole concept of um the metaverse or what what have you where it's like you, you your soul can continue on in perpetuity even though you're not really physically present um but but the idea with that is that he's this great imposing looking character i mean the the, the character model vader is amazing you know we all love vader um 
but the idea is that what Obi-Wan says, he's like, he's more machine than man now. He's not, he, he's basically losing his humanity by ha having to live through all of this robotics. Um, and, and the story at the end of it is that, well, he kind of snaps out of it. But I don't really think that in actuality it works that way. I think if, if, if transhumanism goes to really the way they want to, it's like, you don't, you're not going to have a choice. Mm -hmm. This is kind of like your, your fate to be this robotic slash person. So you kind of see that cautionary angle. And then of course, you know, you see the great moment at the uh, end of Return of the Jedi where Luke is really starting to turn to the dark side, but then he looks at his hand, his metal hand, and he's like, listen, if I keep going any farther, I'm going to be just like my dad, mm. you know, living like this, this shell of, of a human in this robotic interface, and he kind of snaps out of it. So there's that cautionary aspect, but then they also, to your, to your point, make it look really, really cool. <laughs> like look at someone in the prequels like General Grievous, where he's got like the six arms and the six lightsabers and stuff. I'm like, that's like really cool looking, right? right. You know, as, as a kid, when you see somebody with like slashing six lightsabers around, oh, yeah. it looks pretty, pretty awesome. Oh yeah. But um, even the story behind him is that he was, um, he was a physical, not not necessarily human, uh, an alien species that they basically wanted to perform experiments on him. They they blew him up and took his heart. And that's why you see he has like this still beating heart. It's like a, a physical heart, but they put him in this metal suit, kind of like, you know, RoboCop kind of thing. Um, and, and it's really cool, but also the, at the core of it, it's really um, making, making people more kind of subservient in that aspect. You know, very, just saying like, like I brought about RoboCop, same kind of concept. You know, this guy was basically physically dead, but they put him in this robotic suit, but they can, to a certain extent, control what he wants to do so yeah it's it's definitely all about all about control and anything that they can implant or implement within us to create more um control mechanisms that we will follow without question you know they're gonna they're gonna try to do it yeah th that's what concerns me about like elon musk for example because a, a lot of people especially on the right uh are like dude he's our hero right now like and because he's such an advocate for a lot of the things that the right advocates they're like oh yeah 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 you want to put a chip on us that's cool as long as i got my free speech and you put trump back on twitter you know we're good now so and like they're totally dismissing the bigger larger nefarious agenda going on in the background just because he agrees with some of your ideologies you know and that's that i think it happens so much in i mean i see that happening in a lot of the stories in in pretty much any war story and, and things like star wars and stuff like that are that's why I think it's more and more relevant. That's me personally. Uh, that's why I love movies period. Like I'm not a huge, like specifically just star Wars fan. Like I love if a movie's really well written and then there's, I can see these references to society. Like I'm like, Oh, I see what you're doing here. And it just, uh, I mean, I always question it. Is this, you know, propaganda or is this just a storytelling? Of course, you know, you want to kind of step outside of it, but, but yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, any other examples or something that you definitely want to bring up or Maverick, Nikolai, do you have a question specifically you want to get off your chest? Yeah, I was uh, wondering on um, the, we've talked a lot about the authoritarianism in the empire. Uh, it, it's, it seems like, especially in episode three, there's this discussion about how the Jedi are also blind. They've, turned and, and the idea is you know i think i think they want to lean on they were duped but at the same time you know anakin throws out a lot of interesting ideas about the jedi any any thoughts on 
on how maybe the structure of the Jedi plays into some of this. Yeah, you know, the the Jedi, I would say they were basically like too, too self-righteous for their own good. You know, I kind of, um, I did a podcast maybe a year ago, kind of comparing, you know, the Jedi Council to like back in Jesus's day, like, like the Pharisees or whatever the Jewish leaders of the time were. Mm. Um, they knew all the right things, but they didn't put them into practice. You know, they were uh, both the Jedi and this, the, the group of Pharisees. They were all about the law, right? They're all about the law, law and order. Like these are the these are the things you need to follow. One, two, three, four, five. You need to follow these specific things. To be a Jedi, you need to do this, this and this. You can't have any attachments. Um, and a lot of those things on, on their own in a vacuum may not have been bad things. But to, in certain situations that that could cause somebody to go down the, the, the wrong path, you know, um, and I think Palpatine knew that and was able to manipulate Anakin um, that way because was, especially the thing about, you know, you can't have a- attachments, um, which there's a lot of speculation about what that actually meant. But um, the, the idea was that you, you shouldn't have attachments to anybody because that will, that will bring an emotional response to the situations you deal with. Um, you should really just be like this completely neutral type thing. But but that actually wasn't the case. You know, they were completely attached to the Republic they serve, you know, they were completely attached to the government, which is very ironic saying you can't have um, physical, you know, romantic relationships, but right. we can completely follow hundred percent what the government is telling us. Yeah. And it, and it reminds me a little bit, sorry to interrupt of like the, the Taoist uh, philosophy where they say, do not attach yourself to anything. Don't have any desires. And a Christian apologist asked them, why do you desire that? And it was like easy debunking, right. you know what I mean? And it's like, you can't do that. You just, just, it's, you have to, your heart has to attach itself in order to, to promote itself, the, the ideology that yeah. you want. So it's, it makes no sense. And, An- yeah. and Anakin said that a lot, right? He said, well, as Jedi, we're, we're encouraged to love right. and, and care for people because they're supposed to be, they're supposed to protect people, right? They were basically the protectors of all the people who couldn't defend themselves regardless. So they were supposed to love and respect people but the fact that they themselves were prohibited from doing certain certain things, um, it's just like as a you know I'm I'm a parent. It's like you tell your kid not to do something, well they're going to want to do it, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Um. It, it uh. It, it so yeah. To, to your point, I think I think the, the Jedi, um, many maybe years years before that had noble intentions, but they couldn't see past their own self righteousness. And you know they, they they were I would say they were duped to a certain extent. Um, but, uh, they definitely had to do a lot of self-reflection on what, what went wrong, you know, especially Yoda and Obi-Wan, I think with this new Obi-Wan series coming out, maybe we're going to see some of that, a lot of the regret and a lot of, you know, why, why did the, the Jedi choose to go down this, this path? Because you talk about the attachment angle, like look at Luke at the end of Return of the Jedi, he completely abandons that notion that you shouldn't have attachment. I mean, his attachment to his father and love for his father is what saved, saved the galaxy until Disney said it wasn't saved anymore but you know that's (laughs) that 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 debunks that that whole thing but then in some of the newer stuff like the mandalorian and the boba fett series luke skywalker in the future is kind of reverting back to that whole thing about attachment so it's kind of a a a mixed a mixed message there but yeah i i agree with your point that that the jedi in and of themselves were were duped by palpatine but also all the framework was laid for them to be completely um misled just because of their attachment to the government. 
you can kind of see that the one line that they re- that they really use in the prequels, you know, only a Sith deals in absolutes, which is very interesting because it's an absolutist statement. <laughs> just shows the height of hypocrisy. Yeah. Mm. Uh, you know, what I was trying to connect. Yeah, what I was trying to connect with what you said earlier, Kyle, is that at one point Palpatine subverted their mind. Don't think about the spiritual. Think about military tactics. And I was almost likening that to the Christians uh, in the country, you know, where I don't want you to think about your religious beliefs. I want you to think about what's good for our nation, more nationalistic. And there was that replacement, which when you do that, of course, it becomes very like the Pharisees because the Pharisees are very much involved in the politics and so much so that they became so self-righteous. They didn't even see almost the purpose of their religion properly. Like they weren't practicing it in a, in, in, in a biblical manner, right. you know? So I mean, kind of, Absolutely. Remember. you know, yeah. Like, you know, like as a Christian myself, you know, I try to like caution people, listen, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you automatically have to go to the conservative, right? I right. mean, you know, think about all the things that Jesus said about taking care of the poor and taking care of all these social issues, which people on the left typically care about. And a lot of people on the right kind of, you know, like you said, kind of push that to the side. More like like we got we got to help fund the 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 military and all this stuff. It's like no no no. There's there's things on both sides that you need to focus on. You 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 just by having this belief you, doesn't mean you just you just shifted in one in one direction. I think you should question both sides. I mean you should definitely question the people that you know uh, the people are propping up to be these idols. I mean my my God, you want to talk about some like blasphemous crap? I mean so many pictures I've seen over the years of like you know, Trump with like a sword and like, you know, Jesus standing over his shoulder. I'm like, <laughs> guys, you, you guys are so far <laughs> off track with, with what you should really be with like a crusader about. armor. I've seen that. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, come on. I, I don't know. If well, even, even read the Bible at all. Yeah. I did, I, I did like the new ones where he's in this like super like mega man suit and it's the, with mega was super oh, mega. like super mega or whatever yeah, yeah. That, that, i do like the new ones for mega sure. man. so in, in light of all of that why, why is qui-gon such an important character then oh I'll t- yeah qui-gon i will say is probably the uh the best out of all the jedi masters you know for, for one um gone too soon he has oh go ahead i know i just said gone too soon <laughs> yeah right you know lucas always kills off the best characters in yeah. the first first movie of every trilogy um he he for for one he kind of had this um perception about the universe about really trying to understand what was going on you know he has a great line which i have um i think in the intro in the book is that you know secrets he says this in the novel the phantom mass novel he's like you know secrets need to be revealed whenever you find them like if he's like if you stand at, at if you stand to conceal these secrets you know you're almost as complicit as people that are Committing terrible acts, so he really wanted to expose bad things going on, but also he wanted to. Um, he knew that everybody had a purpose, and you know, whenever they kind of pulled Jar Jar along um, at the beginning, Obi Wan was like, "Oh crap, here we go, just another crappy creature." And but for some reason, uh, Qui Gon thought that he had a, a, a purpose. Um, you know, you can, and I will say, you can argue that Jar Jar's purpose was really to help Palpatine bring on the <laughs> Empire. Um, in in right. the next movie, but but you saw that again with Anakin. You know, Qui Gon saw this young kid. He's like, there's really something to him. He's like, I don't care that the Jedi Council doesn't agree with me taking him on. He's like, I'm using my own intuition. I'm not just blindly following what the Council is telling me. Um, I'm, I want to train him. And you know, 
in the end, you know, several movies later, yeah, he did end up, you know, saving the, this kid did end up saving the universe. Obviously he went through a lot of trials and terrible stuff to get there, but he was ultimately right. And, um, Obi-Wan, you know, told him, he's like, you know, master, like if you would just follow the rules, you could be on the Jedi council. No, Qui-Gon's just like, no, I, I don't want to, I don't want to just blindly serve this, um, Jedi council dogma, um, because that, that, that removes that kind of, well, I hate to use this term, but that outside the box thinking, right? Like he, he want, he understood things on such a, a deep spiritual level that he knew the more entrenched he got with the Jedi council, the more entrenched with the government, um, it's going to water down and dilute some of those beliefs. So I, I, right. I agree with you. I will say Qui-Gon is, is the most important, you know, he's definitely probably like the libertarian, I guess, mm. of, of the Jedi, if you had to mm-hmm. kind of put him in a, a political camp. Because he's like, he's like, I know a lot of this stuff. He, he knew a lot of the, um, the faults of the, uh, of the Jedi. He knew a lot of the faults of the, of, of the dark side. Mm-hmm. And he, he tried to work within that framework, but he always pushed back against his own side whenever he thought they were doing something wrong. So um, you, I would say he's probably the, the best out of all of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. I feel like the Jedi Council were looking towards him or were just like, shut up, Rand Paul. You know what I mean? Like one of those things. <laughs> I'm yeah, not exactly. giving I'm not giving Rand Paul any credit here, but I just feel like he's the outcast, and he's like, "Hey, man, shut up over there, dude! Like, stop asking those questions." You know, <laughs> I got right. I got one one last quick question, and then uh, I'm I'm kind of done with the questions I had pre prepped. Um, so, you know, there's there's a lot of rumors running around on 4chan that you are, um, you are Raylo. Is that is that correct? Can you set the record <laughs> that I'm that I'm into the Raylo? Yeah, you're a Rayloer. Oh God, is that is that true? <laughs> <laughs> I, I i i can't i can't even i can't even with that whole with that with that whole thing i i, I don't know no i'm not i'm not in i'm not in. okay all right so put it correct the record cool uh that one flew over my head so i don't know what's going on there but uh, uh it's okay you can search it later yeah it's like it's like people have all this fan fiction about them like being the thing and mm. you know in in perpetuity and yeah okay. i don't know you know it, but it is interesting though you know you see disney is the one time in the sequel trilogy that there's a, a kiss between a biological male and a biological female and then the dude dies immediately right so disney's telling us you know what where what what the uh what happens when you know biological males and biological females in, yeah. interact it should definitely it see be that way you definitely see a lot of uh things like that dying in in, in disney content you know yeah but- yeah. That's a whole different. They, 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 you know. Yeah, they definitely um, shifted away from anything possibly romantic mm-hmm. in the in that sequel trilogy, and I think you see that in a lot of Disney movies recently too. There's really not ever that like the prince and the prince finds the princess and they fall in love. You know, there's there's really none of that in any um, modern. I would say for the past twenty years, Disney products. Because it's like they want us to all be isolated. They don't want us to have, uh, you know, a, a partner that we can share our lives with. It's a whole. There's probably way more areas that we could even get into with, with that. You know, they'd they'd rather us, you know, trust trust the government, like you said, or politicians, or Elon Musk, or whatever. Not, mm-hmm. um, not have these r- romantic relationships. So that's mm-hmm. kind of crazy. Probably probably do a whole other show on that. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, no, definitely. That's something that we bring up a lot in the show. Very intentional, I believe um the destruction of of tradition and western civilization the the yeah the morals that we used to stand for and things like that Kyle anything else that 
you wish people asked you, but just people never do. And you're like, dude, they never ask me about this and I want to say it. And so if that's something that you have and you want to get off your chest, please do. Oh man, that's a, that's a great, great question. I can't think of anything. Okay. I can't think of anything. Okay. Well, any final last words then before we kind of wrap this up? Cause I have one more, one more request, but uh, other than that, uh, what would you like to tell the folks that listen to fire theft radio? What is your purpose of this book? And you know, what, what, what can you expect or what are you trying to do in their minds? Uh, sure. you know, with, when you, with, uh, this literature that you put out. Sure. Um, yeah, I want to thank you both for having me on. This is, this has been great. I, lo- I love talking about this stuff. It can go in so many different directions. We could probably do two, three, four, five more episodes just on some of the little subtext stuff we kind of, you know, hinted at, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the the book is out. I'll, I'll shamelessly plug it here. Of course, you can't you can't see it because it's audio only. Right. But um, it's called Intergalactic Totalitarianism. Um, you can find it on Amazon and paperback. There's a Kindle version. Um, I just put out the audiobook version. And actually, you know, I don't know how long it's going to take to do, but I'm actually working on just like a video documentary kind of version of it. Is it as you? Well. Is it you doing the audio version of it? Yes. Perfect. Yeah. I love I that myself. I add music in the background. Oh, yeah, perfect. I love that when, more than when they get professionals. To, yeah. Cause I, I, I can't, I just can't, there's so many books that I have. And when they're just there and they're like, they sound like Morgan Freeman. I just can't listen to it. Like it, it, I can't do it. It's too proper. You like know, as I, I was writing it, like there's certain inflections and certain punctuation I want to put on certain mm. parts that like you can't really get somebody else else to do that. And also I'm, I'm cheap. Yeah. So, <laughs> and, I, and I like, and I like doing it myself. Right. I like, you know, you guys like doing podcasts. Like it's it's fun. It's fun to it's fun to do. It's a really fun, um, a, a kind of escape thing for me. But yeah, like I said, I'm actually working on like a video documentary style version of it as well, which will be maybe an hour, hour and a half, just grabbing a bunch of clips from the movies, clips from other interviews, um, articles and stuff that all kind of tie into the, kind of what I'm trying to say here. Because yeah, the, the 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 purpose of it, I would say, is kind of twofold, right? It's um, you know, if there's if there's people out there that you know really like Star Wars, it really aren't too too deeply entrenched in a lot of the kind of the conspiracy type stuff it's a good kind of segue into um in, in introductions basically to like thinking about what what the government does and what what happens in our world um kind of on a deeper level that you're not going to see on on the news and then you know secondarily and definitely not as important you know people that already understand kind of some of this stuff it's to uh get people to just add a little bit more appreciation for those prequel movies because <laughs> the, the movies themselves i i 100 agree that they're not great they're not great right the acting is not great too much green screen too much blue screen not enough physical stuff but i think the story he was trying to tell is a really great story um so definitely i wanted to kind of put it put put some of those elements in this book just so people can understand more or less not not necessarily the physical manifestation you saw on the screen but like what the what the story underlying was was trying to tell because i think it's a really great cautionary tale about you know, trusting the government, trusting the government to keep you safe, um, not not um, un- understanding, you know, manipulation, understanding manipulation and propaganda and stuff like that in our world. It's definitely very relatable as, as kind of just a template to a lot of um, events in our world currently, historically and in the future. Very well. And last thing, and this is for both of you guys, uh, your best impersonation of your be- uh, favorite character on Star Wars Go. was that r2d2 yeah that was r2d2 it's pretty good go go kyle you okay let me me try my let me try my best yoda here 
Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear <laughs> leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Thank that you. was good. Thank you. That's, That's pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I wish I could. I wish I could do one. I was trying to think if I could do like Job of the Hut or something, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know none of his like uh in like uh, actual language that he speaks. Like you know how just, he does. Just like just like make a deep voice and just go boost uh boo doo yeah. so it yeah. works. It works. It's like baby language. <laughs> You should uh, do a special edition of the book where you narrate as Yoda. Oh, I know the whole the whole book just in, in almost reversed sentences and all that. It. Yeah, mm, yeah. I, I like I like it. I like it. Mm, yes, indeed. All right. Mm. So uh, that's all we got for you folks. Kyle, stick with me. Uh, the folks are going to listen to some dope music. I'll probably put some uh, remixed Star Wars so I don't get in trouble or something like that. Uh, and but we'll be we'll be right back. The Force is with you, young Skywalker. You are not a Jedi yet. back folks and if you like star wars you probably like this episode and it's a good it was a good one so we're gonna have him back on he already agreed even off the air he's like dude i want to come back let's do some more episodes and i was like yes sir yes you may let's do that for sure and uh let's include him in our entertainment breakdown which was a great idea by the way uh nikolai breaking down we were thinking of watching kenobi and and bringing it down so what i'm gonna do is when is kenobi coming out by the way uh, it comes out at the end of the month, I believe. At the end of May? Yes. Oh, I got to get on this. Okay, so 
I have about four or five episodes in the can. Uh, so I gotta, I'm, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to like, just take a Sunday and just edit all the episodes and just do an episode dump so I can be all caught up. And that way, when that comes out, as the episodes come out, we'll release content about it so we can be some of the first to be talking about it in the interwebs. Cause that's the only way yeah. to go about it. We'll do it. You do a fire, firestorm, firestorm. Yeah, dropping all these episodes oh like that makes sense because i'm fire theft radio firestorm jeez right. bro goodness you know what all the references and like little colloquialisms that people have given me about the show have come from other people they've not come from us like <laughs> like we put on the website if you want to help through patreon help stoke the fire that came from mike davis i'm not even gonna lie i'm gonna give him all the credit and things like that anything like that and you like firestorm and let's spread the fire of knowledge and it's like oh oh yeah, that's right. We can do that. And then I think the only one I came up with, I gave up on it because I felt dumb, was pyrokleptomaniacs. You know, people that really love the show. I was like, you guys are pyrokleptomaniacs, you know, Fire Theft Radio. But yeah. Well, I, it is seven syllables, so it was it, set up to fail. It, you're right. Correct. So yeah. I, um, I feel embarrassed for even bringing it up right now because as <laughs> I said it, I looked at your face and you were like, yeah, wow, that doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> I was hoping for some, like, you know, it's not that bad, Chuck. It's not that bad. But, but no, you were like, yeah, no, set well, up for failure. Worse. <laughs> I love could it. could be worse, I guess. Indeed, indeed. Well, that's all we got, folks. Uh, again, I didn't say it in the beginning of the show, but if you'd like to go rate us on whatever podcast you use, it's very helpful. We're still on a pretty high rating, even though as the show grows, there's a lot of hate for me. And we're working on that. I did a pretty good job in this episode of not saying, of keeping the you knows to a minimum as well. Um, I'm working on it, folks. I'm working on it. Uh, I care about what you say and let's keep moving forward. So if you like the show and you enjoyed this episode, you can go rate it. You can go rate it on, on whatever podcatcher you use. Uh, maybe iTunes, maybe Stitcher, maybe you can go on the website and also catch us over there. And if you like it enough, there's a way to support us and uh, through Patreon. And if you don't like to use Patreon, and I know the, the the issues there, then DM me, email me at firetheftradio at gmail.com. We have books we can send you, especially if you're nearby. Uh, and we're working on making some T-shirts, brand new T-shirts coming soon. So that being said, there's a lot of different ways that you can possibly support us. And, and let's keep moving this show forward. I got a new setup here. This is the first episode I have with the setup behind me where I got a new Mac mini. I got all kinds of all the editing software just installed. I'm ready to go. This will be the first episode I edit on my new equipment. So it should come out quite well and should come out really quickly. Okay. So other than that, I got nothing else to say unless you do. We're going to end this show. We're going to like land the plane, you know, tie up the boat, whatever that's called. Uh, I'm not sure there's a, I'm sure there's a, uh, a, a pirate way of saying it. And I don't know the terms for, for the sea. Sorry for any, any sea aficionados. If I offended you, please don't unfollow me. Keep following me. Nothing else. Nothing else. Cool. See you around the interwebs, everybody. Alrighty then. And that's all we got. And don't forget to spread the fire later, folks. <laughs>